Suguru. Episode 2.1 The Wake Up Call The archaic ring of a doorbell welcomes friends and loved ones on holidays and special occasions, and it's always a welcome sign in the Hamilton house. Not today, however. Today, right this moment, I'd rather have a root canal than answer my door chime. In fact, I want to rewind and go see a movie with Jack, as he suggested this morning. But no, I had to stay in and paint the bedroom instead. Doesn't matter. Trouble finds me no matter where I attempt to hide. <sighs> the ride is probably over now, but it's been one hell of a year. Jack answers the door. Is this the home of Abigail Walken? A familiar man's voice echoes the hall. Who the hell are you? Jack's not happy. Something's amiss. I go to the door and peer around him. Ben? What the hell are you doing here? I thought you were dead. Jack backs down when he sees Wait, that I'm okay. You know this guy? Uh, yes, unfortunately I do. He claims to be my husband. I tap my foot to restrain my urge to punch him in the face. Oh, husband? Jack moves from the doorway and patrols the radio room. Stupid. Ben tries to come inside. I block Abby, him. We need to talk. Yes. Yes, we do. I thought you were dead. I'm dead. <laughs> he looks genuinely surprised. <sighs> I thought you were, Ben. He examines himself, ironically. <laughs> well, I can assure you I'm very much alive. You'd better have a good explanation for this, Benny boy. I step aside and allow him into the radio room, where Jack is standing, arms crossed, awaiting clarification. Ben slowly enters, and nodding in approval at our quaint surroundings. I go to Jack. I don't know what's going on either. Just have a seat and we'll get to the bottom of this. I hope. Though he has every reason to be upset, Jack sits down quietly. Right now, he probably thinks I'm a lunatic and a liar. I sit next to him and grab his hand. He links his fingers with mine tightly. He knows things are about to change. As soon as Ben enters the room, I begin my interrogation. What's going on, Ben? Ben twists his face. Are you sure we should talk about this in front of him? He points to Jack. He may not understand the conversation about to take place. I shift my eyes between the two of them. Anything you say to me? You can say to Jack. He's the only one I trust anymore. Ben walks around the radio room. <sighs> I was afraid you'd say that. He looks at the two of us. Well, I died. I nod. Obviously, I'm not dead. He slaps his chest. I'm living and breathing. Okay. <sighs> Jack chuckles. Yeah, unfortunately. I nudge him. <laughs> Stop it. Ben flurries his lips in thought. Why don't you tell me what you've been through? He sits at a nearby table to listen. With Jack and Ben intently listening... I dig deep into my memories to find a good starting point. I suppose I should start with the most recent experience. I speak to Ben. <clears throat> I remember we were married, and Max showed up, followed by a man named Travis. Then we went back in time to Nazi Germany, where you and Travis were shot and killed. I was held hostage. I point to Jack, until my hero showed up and rescued me. <sighs> now you've showed up again and disrupted my happy life. Uh-huh, I see. He scratches his chin. Well, first of all, Travis was in the wrong place at the wrong time. He is a humanoid automaton, programmed explicitly to deliver cubes. Ash had the bright idea that he also responded to stresses. <laughs> Clearly, that was not the best decision. As for Benjamin, he was a dupe. He finally blurts out, Shh, what the hell is a dupe? <sighs> I mean, dupe is a clone. 
I call them dupes and duplicates of me. What? No, how? We had kids. Uh, I mean, I think we have kids. No. Ben shakes his head. The kids were either more robots or implanted memories. A false reality produced by a clone which I suspect was infatuated with Abby. I'm shocked, but stay stoic. So there are masses of you running around causing havoc? His eyes pop wide open. I really hope it's not masses, but they do have my DNA on file, and they will do anything to stop you. Which means they'll probably have more, so beware. How did you find me? My confusion spreads into disbelief. I'm way out of my neighborhood here. He shrugs. Well, I received your distress signal. Wait, what? You say I sent a distress signal? I don't recall that. Well, you did. Several. Happy to finally catch up to you. Ben picks up my wrist. Where's your Imani? What are you talking about? Imani. Electron manipulator. It's what you've been using to travel through time. I snatch my hand back. You mean that broken watch? It's in my nightstand. He slaps his forehead. Broken? <sighs> what do you mean broken? I mean it's dead and I don't know how to fix it. There's no need to yell. What do you mean it doesn't charge? Did you have it on your wrist when you charged it? If you don't have it on your wrist when you charge it, it'll simply hold enough charge to send a distress signal. The signal's meant to be sent when someone who has no authorization to use the Amani attempts to use the Amani. Or, alternatively, when someone with authorization to use the Amani is in trouble. It doesn't take much to release a signal, just a flash of light. Every time the watch is exposed to the slightest light, I get a message in a photograph. If available. Ugh. I didn't try to charge it. I gave up on it a long time ago. Well, if you didn't turn on the Amani and send a signal, who did? You got me. I thought it was broken. All that technology and you still don't know. No. <laughs> Nothing but blink images. The camera must not be connected anymore. It says you were the operator, however, and reads distress with your info. It'll tell me if you are in distress until you tell the Amani otherwise. You didn't tell me otherwise. So I assumed the distress signal was correct. I've been chasing you all over historic Earth. Ugh, like I said, I thought it was broken and I haven't used it. Okay. You didn't use it. But did you expose it to light? I might have done it. Jack bursts in. When I moved to nightstand to paint, the drawer fell out. The watch landed in the sunlight. Yeah, the screen flashed a little bit, but it wasn't the first time, so I disregarded it and tossed it back in the drawer. Continued on. Oh. Ben snaps his finger. There you go. A thought bulb clicks on. You mean to tell me that watch is solar charged? I feel stupid. Oh. Well, yeah. Ben shows me his wrist with this device on it. In order to fully charge the Imani, you have to wear it. Where is it? I rush to the nightstand, grab the Imani, and put it on. <sighs> Come with me. I'll be right back, Jack. Ben walks out to the front yard and holds up his wrist to the sun to charge his Imani. Here, you charge it like this. I raise my wrist. A few seconds later, the Imani vibrates. It's charged. See, Abby? The sun charges it in just a matter of seconds. He sells it like it's his job to sell it. So my device is charged. Big whoop. I don't even know where to go or what to do. I'm happy here and now. Ugh. Ben kicks the grass. Shit. Abby, you can't get comfy. You're in danger. They don't know where you are now. They will soon. Everyone you care about will be nothing more than a pebble on their path to you. So what do I have to do? I entertain his process. First things first, you have to go back and stop Max from assassinating Hitler. We don't want him fooling around back there. No, I'm not going back there. I refuse. He has a valid story about clones and all. But who's to say he's not lying? His helping me could lead me into yet another trap. You have to do this, Abby. He looks panicked. If I stop Max from assassinating him, I'll never meet Jack. How do you know? You may have your doubts about me, but you also have a duty to help keep an eternal balance in the universe. Let's go to when Max changed the timeline. I don't remember the exact date, Ben. A lot of things have happened since I was taken. He thinks a moment. Well, then you're just going to have to go back to the date of the assassination, because that is the date I have. I roll my eyes. Why should I believe you? You've lied to me several times, 
And you pretended to be dead. Oh, and did I mention you left me with a psycho? I rumble. You don't deserve my trust. Who the hell is this guy? He disappears and reappears like some kind of glitch in the universe. And more importantly, who is after me? That's fine, Abby. I'll just have to do this the hard way. He sets his hand on my shoulder. In a flash, Ben and I are standing in the streets of Nazi Germany once again. Like it or not, this guy seems to have a plan and I'm forced to roll with it. This Ben is different. He seems self-aware. Almost like he's lived a full life, not hatched from some slimy shell like some clone. Ben looks around. Ugh, this place gives me the creeps. <laughs> I look around at the unbearably familiar surroundings. The city, before the battle, turned it to rubble. All of the buildings, once destroyed, have now risen once again. I feel disgustingly sentimental. Ugh, you think it gives you the creeps? Try living here as a captive, Benny. Uh, no thanks. Not my cup of tea. He lifts my wrists and takes my Imani. The assassination happens at 3.15. You'll get one shot to end this asinine scheme. Afterwards, simply tap the red button on your Imani face, and it'll get you out of there, get you to the next step. He hands me the Imani and a pistol. Here. You'll also need this. I take the Imani and examine the gun. The cool steel barrel, the weight in my hands, all feels familiar. I get it, Ben, but why stop all this? I turn for an answer, and he's gone. I put the gun in my pocket and walk into the building. The guard hails me as I enter. The guard's greeting reignites a sickening spot in my visceral mind. I ignore his greeting and carry on. I wonder what will happen to the other Abby, the one who lives here. Chances are, one of us will be killed. Probably me. I can't get caught up in the remorse now. I have to leave her the Yamani. The clock on the wall reads eight after three. I have seven minutes. I must be swift. I use Max's office for my pre-assassination preparation. If this plan goes awry, I don't want my Imani to fall into the wrong hands. I have to hide it. I sit down at the desk and take the Imani out of my pocket. I compose a letter on Max's personalized stationery. Abby, I hope you survive to read this. For all I know, I wrote this letter for nothing, and the Imani is going to end up in the wrong hands anyway. If you do survive, it means you found this letter under the board. And in that case, hi, congratulations on your recent survival and walking the lines. <laughs> if you did not survive to see the sun again, we're both dead, and I'm writing this letter as a last will, for the sake of my own sanity. I'm going to charge in and stop an assassination attempt, which I know will lead to my demise, in order to keep an eternal balance in the universe. <laughs> yeah, I will attempt to escape via the Amani. This mission goes against every instinct I have, helping Ben, whom I can only suspect is against me. <sighs> While it's hard to believe that I just wrote that, I did. I'm currently on the run and didn't get to say goodbye to Jack, who probably won't even remember I exist anyway now. Say la vie. Your life goes on and on and on and on. And infinitely, apparently. <sighs> Enjoy it. With a flick of a wrist, you could be gone. I know it sounds like a lot, but don't worry. I know you can handle it. Now, have faith in yourself. And don't let our sacrifice be for naught. It's with much love that I entrust our lives and the lives of everyone and everything we hold dear to yours truly. I hope I'm right. Otherwise, this is all for naught. Remember, abide by yourself and trust no one. Godspeed. Ash. I place the letter and the Imani in an envelope and seal it closed. I dip the pen in the inkwell one last time and write the initials A-S-H on the outside. I can only hope I will survive, and that I'll remember the letter with the underlined message secretly weaved within the main body. If not, Abby will eventually find the package.
I mean, I hope. In the corner of the room behind the full-body mirror where Max likes to admire himself daily is a loose floorboard I stumbled upon one day while cleaning. It's unknown to anyone else. I stashed things there I didn't want anyone to find while snooping around in my own office. I always had access to Max's closet, and no one ever snooped there. Not even Max. I lift the floorboard and take out the bottle of liquor I stashed there in another life. The good old days, I guess. I gulp down the remainder, a quarter bottle of fiery spirit, and toss the bottle back in the hole. I take care to hide the important envelope deep inside where it should remain undisturbed. I pick up my stride to the assassination. I have to get there in time to stop Max. The clock on the wall chimes the quarter hour as I make my way past the guards at the office door. The doors burst inward, putting a pause on the mutiny taking place inside. Before anyone can question my motive, I draw my pistol, like a scene from an old western, aim and shoot, in one fell swoop. With a shot to the head, Max falls to the floor, leaving only the awkward silence of me and a brood of Nazis still highly confused as to why I would shoot my own husband in the head. Whoa, I don't want to stick around to see what happens next. If I'm caught, they'll take me into the alley and beat me to death, probably. I've seen it a thousand times, but never really wanted to be involved. Hello? I sprint down the hall. Hitler's desperately demanding voice follows me as I charge away. My sporty chucks squeak on the hard marble floors as I move my feet faster and faster, gaining a lead on the guards who are now calling for backup. A sharp pain between my shoulder blades stops me in my tracks. (laughs) Well, here we go again. 